0: Our first guest has been a household name on both Irish television and radio for almost 20 years, joining RTE, our state broadcaster, in 2004. Since then... He's covered major political stories for RTE's news department, contributing regularly to RT News, The Week in Politics, Morning Ireland, Drive Time, and many other political programmes. And recently, in 2017, he was appointed RTE News political correspondent. So we are absolutely honoured and delighted to have Michal Lahan joining us this morning on Saturday Chronicle. Michal, a very good morning to you. Thank you so much for joining us
1: good morning to you great to talk to you
0: thank you no it's great to have you um Michal, we'll get straight into it i suppose um so we'll have time to to have a chat uh can we just talk about your background in your early life first of all before we get into the nitty-gritty stuff of of politics and all that Um you grew up in a lovely part of the country in beautiful car yeah i
1: grew up in, in car and i went to primary school and secondary school in, in car so that was a A great place to grow up uh, and uh, really all my uh, kind of early work in journalism was um, based on on that area, beginning when I was 13, writing match reports for a newspaper that's no longer there now that had a short life in Kerry called The Kerry People, uh, run by the McMonagall family. Uh, And then later on, kind of through through my teenage years, writing kind of for The Kingdom newspaper, writing The Carrasveen Page, uh, so kind of local news from, from South West Kerry. So that really was the, the early start I had in journalism, uh, reporting on on the local area and doing that for, for local newspapers and a small bit as well uh, with Radio Kerry. So in some ways, it's it's the greatest work, reporting uh, locally, reporting on your own town, because you 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 have the greatest degree of insight almost that, you, that you'll ever have, because it's the place yes. you were born, it's the place you, you grow up in. And, and you know the you people, know of course, as well. Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. So that's... That is that is very very fulf- fulfilling work. I, I really really enjoyed it, uh, always did. And uh, when it came uh, to moving, perhaps later on to, to the examiner, that was a different. That's a different experience, and it's it's a different type of work work that you go, you go on to love as well. But the, the the first work, the work of reporting locally, really was was fantastic. Whether it's sport, whether it's council meetings, uh, and community news, it was it was great, and it was the great way to to learn. But it's even beyond the learning bit of it which people always cite uh, it's just great work to do and it's enjoyable work.
0: You you mentioned there about working for the local newspaper in Carseveen was there always an interest Michal in, in in journalism from an early age yourself?
1: Yeah I liked it I liked I liked writing from from about really I knew that at 12 uh, so then uh, to find a way of doing that for, for newspapers became kind of my plan so the first way that I could do it was write on kind of uh, local local GA matches the, those kind of under twelve under fourteen matches. So that's that was my way in, and I was lucky to, to get chances to do that yes. back back then when I was twelve. I, you'd, I wrote the, you'd write the report longhand uh, and then send it on, on a fax machine from a, from a shop in into to the to the Kerry people, and they would type it up. Then it would go, in, go into the paper. Uh, so that was a the way. I mean, it's, it seems it's not. Well, it is long ago, but the, the changes and speed at which things work now and have been working for quite some time, yes. that seems a very arduous way of of reporting, but that's that's the way we had to do it back then.
0: And it is funny, it is funny, Michal, that you mentioned that uh, you had always an interest in writing from a young age. Uh, to quote um, your former... Uh, teacher Eamon Langford he said he was he is he was not surprised at all at, at your ascent uh, just to quote him here he said I would have taught Mihal geography when he was at uh, School E. Connell and my wife taught him English she was always a top student he was destined for big things uh, we're very proud of him down around here and we're happy for him because he's a lovely self-affecting a facing lad so it was no surprise really Mihal."
1: Well, uh, yeah, it was, it was something I always kind of wanted to do, and I, d- I didn't really. I suppose mainly I didn't plan to do anything else, whether that was wise or not wise. That's yeah. that's the way I approached it. Uh, even then, when it came to doing th- like around leaving cert and that I wrote the. I remember, I wrote the exam diary for the Irish Independent during leaving cert. So, like when you'd come home after your exams, you'd fall uh, in the report then on the on the paper uh, you had done, and just a bit of look along the getting things like that. And then I remember. In 1996, 2FM and uh, Snickers, the the confectionery company, ran a competition for young sports reporters. Yes. So I got to final of that uh, as well. So those kind of things give you give you confidence uh, along the way that that you're on the right track and that that you have a shot at something, you know. And but equally, like it's a, it's it was it's a hard road, it's a long road, and it's a road that doesn't have any guarantees. But once once you want to do something, you kind of I think you will you will find a way.
0: Yes. And can we just before we move on to uh, other topics, can we just briefly talk about Mary MacLeod College? Um, I, I am a student myself below in Mary MacLeod College studying the same course as what you did uh, back in 1992. You studied me- media and communications. And was it was it um, was it philosophy or politics that you studied as well along with
1: that? Philosophy and philosophy. media.
0: Yeah. 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 Can you talk to me about that?
1: Yeah, I thought Mary Immaculate College was just just brilliant, and just the the freedom of the place, and the, and the kind of the practical nature of the course in many ways. And yeah. the first thing that I was drawn to was the was the radio station Wired FM, uh, and having having a show on that from great radio from station. First year. Yeah, v- very yeah, good, very yeah. good, and 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 great great freedom there, and just being able to get guests and get people, uh, and and come put shows together. Uh, had been different to what I had. I'd, had done a small bit with Radio Kerry through my when I was a teenager as well. But that's where I really learned about radio, and also learned through Nikki Fennel, one of the lecturers there, about putting uh, TV reports together, uh, which was invaluable for later on when I went to work in RT or when I was doing kind of interviews and practical uh, tests for RT. It was that really was the the foundation that I had that I got from from Mary I. So I thought it was I thought it was great and. I, I I just really enjoyed putting the, the radio shows together and being able to get people and, and just chancing things. I remember once when the Irish team were kind of at their height, just ringing the airport hotel where they used to stay and just getting straight through to, to Niall Quinn and getting him on the radio, those yes. kind of things. And just being able to do it and, and get people on air and, and build up contacts as well. Like I, I found Mary I was good. It was always a friendly place as well. And And again, people like Rosemary Day, Nicky felt always, always very encouraging. You know. Yes,
0: yes, and and just before we move away from 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 talking about uh, Mary Michael College, uh, back in 2022, uh, you were presented with um, an MIC uh, Alumni of the Year award in recognition of your achievements uh, in your chosen field, and along with yourself. Um, former Irish rugby captain Kira Griffin and Google's Ireland's director of people operations, Helen Tynan, and BBC commissioning editor, Tommy Bulfin, You were all presented with awards uh, at this ceremony on the 29th of November in 2022. What was that like to receive an award of such sort?
1: Oh, it was great. It was it was great. And it was great to go back. I hadn't been back since since I finished in the college yeah, yeah, yeah. in 2001. So it had changed so much as well. And, and But great to see like that the core... Uh, belief around the media course and, and trying to get people ready and prepared for a career in media that that 's there and it's it 's stronger than ever so i was I was delighted to, to see that and just that belief that journalism is something uh, that does have an important role in society in any place you know educating that and getting people ready for that i think I think is really important I mean the, those words really that that stick with me all the time that are actually chiseled into the the steps outside the Kerry newspaper interleague yes, yes. where it says without or with offence I sketch your world exactly as it goes and just trying to stick to that at all times uh, and that's that's the message I would bring And, and, and so I think it's great that, that media courses continue to get to get stronger
2: Michal I wanted to ask you about the dilemma of the local politician that, that we often see now uh, for example there might be piece of government policy to have a uh, an expansion to the electricity grid or a biogas plant or a wind farm or maybe the repurposing of uh, an old hotel for refugees. And the politician is put on the spot. Um, they, they've they got to say because they're a member of a government party that they're in favour of the policy. But then they're trying to find a way to say that they really would prefer if there's one of the other 25 counties that this thing will be built in.
1: Yeah, that's the difficulty, isn't it? and that kind of ongoing struggle that politicians have when local issues arise. Uh, yes, the power of the collective, the power of the political party, the power of being part of the government. I suppose the argument is that that will ultimately deliver more for the public good because it will act as a major collective, uh, whereas the individual, uh, if they stick solely to, to individual aims, it won't have that ability to deliver as much. So that is the argument. And government can't work without what they call the the whip system. But you can see the difficulties and the challenges posed. And I suppose that is heightened by the fact that the independent TD, really since 1987 onwards, when you saw Jackie healy Ray and Mildred Fox and Thomas Gilday and Harry Blaney strike a deal with government, uh, the power of the independent PD then becomes something really strong where someone can uh, stick to their guns locally and can be an effective force uh, again, making it all the more difficult for those in the political parties uh, when controversial issues arrive, arise in their constituencies. You, you can see the difficulty, and it is a it is a difficult uh, tightrope for them to walk. Often,
0: Michal, can I can I just ask um, before we get into more of the political uh, debates? There, uh, how did you get the the RTE job?
1: Well, I was working in the Irish Examiner at that time in two thousand and four yeah early 2004 when RTE advertised uh, for journalists. so that that was the kind of straightforward route uh, into RTE. there was an interview then there was a a practical test and luckily i I was able to, to get a job and luckily too i was able to uh, just totally by accident really but it's something I would have always wanted to work in politics from, from my first day in RT, starting off on a, a programme that no longer exists called the Roxas Report the programme famously okay. uh, labelled by Pat Rabbit as something for drunks and insomniacs <laughs> uh, but it was it did give us a, an opportunity to watch the Donald and Janet all the time and the committee so that was a great learning place as well for, for politics and for the workings of, of TV
0: And, and what, what is the life of a political correspondent like yourself what do you do on a day to day basis?
1: Well, kind of from early on, before Morning Ireland starts, just trying to get a handle on what are the political issues of the day, just seeing what what the papers are thinking and checking in with people from very early on. And then I might be reporting on Morning Ireland as well. Uh, And after that, it's a matter of seeing what's happening in the Dáil, see what's likely to, to be the story of the day and getting something prepared for the lunchtime news, TV and radio and the radio bulletins. And you, if it's a if it's a sitting day, seeing leaders' questions in the lead up to that, which probably form from the basis of the report, and if it's a cabinet day, knowing what's coming up at cabinet and knowing what was said at cabinet, so that kind of takes care of the early part of the day. And then in the afternoon, really, it's about trying to get a a TV news report ready and probably an, an analysis with that, and onto the nine o'clock as well. All the while, you would be working for radio, and of course, online is a huge part of what we do now. Whether that's writing analysis and up-to-date reports or, and trying to break news through the day, yes. that's something that becomes a bigger and bigger part of what we do.
0: It sounds like there's 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 a it's it's not a nine to five job. It's it's a lot of hours. would be right in saying that.
1: Yeah, it, it really is. Uh, it, yeah. and even some nights, you know, because you're looking ahead to, to the next morning, if if you get home at half ten maybe even closer to 11, we were to do some some work again uh, to get ready for the next morning, especially on on the big kind of political days, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday in particular. And then, I suppose, during the kind of COVID and the pandemic period, like it was constant because there were constant changes that government were making, you know, some of them small, whether it was around testing, whether it was around restrictions. And really that period in covering politics was the most intense and impactful because everything that government did uh, in those years had such a profound impact on people's lives i mean where they could go and what they could do that there'll probably never be anything akin to that again but from a political reporting point of view it was it was extraordinary in in, in how it all un- unfolded and really really uh, intense work at times
0: now i suppose uh, um, moving on to a few political stories that have topped the headlines in the last week um Minister for Further and Higher Education Simon Harris announced a new government policy on student accommodation to cabinet uh, on Tuesday last. Can you tell us a little bit more about this? Um, like, I, I see here that you know, um, the, 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 this is currently supporting the development of up to 1,000 student beds across Maynooth, University of Limerick and University of Galway. Like, it's 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 not it's not enough though, is it? A thousand student beds.
1: No, there seems to be a determination whether it works or not that the state will provide funding uh, to build more on campuses across the country and where the state does uh, cough up the money that then the student accommodation that was built will have to be offered at below market rate for people who come from uh, homes where there's a household income of less than 100000 to and not have to pay the full amount if you're coming Uh, from a home of that income band. So that that does seem to be a significant development. I suppose the the test really is how quickly these uh, student accommodation units can be built. Uh, That really, like all things when it comes to housing, is the key around this. There is another thing which perhaps might happen even quicker, that is kind of tens of millions of euro available to refurbish buildings on college campuses around the country, that that money is there if if it could happen quickly, given the buildings are already in situ. So I suppose they're kind of the, the two main items of that. Yes. At the same time, you'd have to say with a lot of government announcements, some of the details of this have been publicised before and have been there. Uh, and I know there's a big splash about it this week. But again, it's not the announcing or the, the re-announcing of things. It's, it's the delivery is, is the key. And when those thousand beds kind of come on stream in the universities you mentioned, and when the others kind of get underway, that's really how this will be ultimately judged, I think.
2: Michal, um, I come from a generation where people got most of their GAA uh, from uh, Michal O'Hare on the radio. I can think back that far. But what do you think of these recent uh, proposals now uh, by the Minister for Sport, Catherine Martin, to um, make uh, uh, GAA broadcasts free to air?
1: Yeah, that, that that is an interesting development, isn't it? And yeah, it's it a controversial one politically uh, as well, given the, the pressures around things like GA Go, and uh, a fairly strong political belief that all major GA games should be available uh, free to wear. You can definitely see from the government's point of view that they are identifying the priorities and setting out those 14 new events, which will include all-Ireland football, uh, and hurling quarterfinals uh, as well as the provincial finals uh, and nine new women's sporting events that will all be free to wear if this plan comes to pass. So the the way it stands at the moment is Media Minister Catherine Martin is put out the list of 14 new events that would also include rugby ones like the, the European Cup, uh, if an Irish team is in it, that that would be free to air here. And also the Six Nations Games, which can be covered by just deferred coverage at the moment, uh, that they would have to be live. So I think it goes to a public consultation where people can, and the broadcasters and the sporting bodies can give their views. And the cut-off date for that is the 20th of February. So you would think something before the summer that you'd see a, a firm government decision around that.
0: Um, Mihal, just a couple more questions to ask you, if you don't mind. Um, I'm just—we're just talking about politics there. In your opinion, Mihal, do you think that we'll see um, a general election in 2024, and could this be the end of an era for Fianna Fáil? Fine Gael could Sinn Féin top the polls.
1: Well, I suppose the. Opinion polls uh, suggest that, that Sinn Féin uh, is ahead at the moment, and that's a fairly consistent trend. Mm. But again, the measure of all these things will be those elections. The European and the local elections in the first week in June uh, should give a clear indication of where things stand electorally as, as parties then eye up the general election. It is interesting, though, that we always took Local elections, particularly as a very, very solid measure of what's going to happen in general elections. But last time that didn't play true, that you did see Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael as as the big blocks there. But the Sinn Féin vote uh, in the local elections was nowhere near uh, akin to what uh, transpired in the general election, which probably does... Suggest if we're to look at that particular trend, that maybe the general election stands on its own, and that would be particularly interesting to watch when it happens. I think there's a few things that would lead one to think that it probably could happen towards the end of this year. That is, if there are some TDs elected MEPs. We know people like Barry Cowan, Afiya Fall, Joseph Madigan of Finnegall are hoping uh, to get their names on the ticket. Uh, to run for the European Parliament elections. If if any of them were elected, you suddenly have a situation where government is looking at winter by-elections. As well as that, there is the real political fact that someone from government, it seems, will go to become the next European commissioner. That probably leads to another possible by-election before the end of the year. And if it comes to facing by-elections in the winter or a general election after a budget, you would think perhaps the general election is... Most likely. All that said, there are some within government, and there are old wise heads who, in who have been through many campaigns, who believe you should stick on till the very last day, which would mean a general election in February or March next year. I think, though, the odds, probably uh, as I see it, uh, it, it would suggest perhaps towards the end of this year, though.
0: Yeah, it, it'd be interesting to know. That's for sure. Um, I'm just, I'm just curious as to to know, Michal, Were there any political uh, stories that you covered over the years that would really stand out to you now? And, and you, you know, when you say to yourself, actually, I really enjoyed covering that story. Were there any over the over the couple of years that you've been political correspondent?
1: Well, I think uh, I don't know if "enjoy" is the word, but I think that the COVID period was the most extraordinary political period that the, everything cabinet did and everything government did, and there was kind of a degree of. By and large, collective agreement uh, across the Dáil mm. was an amazing period, and, and everything was really so important. I mean, even the fact that you had the Dáil meeting not in Leinster House but in the convention centre, and indeed the, the day that yes, the government was yes. formed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, and I mean, when you think about really the kind of the ending of Civil War politics uh, in that period in 2020, and that that was all happening not in Leinster House and that kind of historic government was forming, but in some ways, given what was happening in the background, uh, it almost uh, became not a footnote, but but something uh, that in a normal time perhaps would have uh, seemed more profound, but given what was happening globally and given what was happening with the pandemic, uh, that main turning point in history, uh, even though it was commented on and it was analysed, uh, but it perhaps would have carried greater significance uh, in a different time. I think all elections are... are great to cover, uh, just seeing the ebb and flow of the campaign and what can become the the dominant issue early and how that can set the tone. And the fact that every election, even if you've been through a lot of them, uh, they still have their own dynamic and they still have their own sense of unpredictability. uh, And they are always great to cover. I remember when I was working in the Examiner uh, in 2002, covering the election there in the Midwest area, and where Michael Noonan was uh, the the Finnegay leader, yes. and being on the the campaigning book certain days, uh, covering the Michael Noonan campaign and watching that, and I suppose contrasting it with Bertie Hearn's visits to the Midwest in that period, and just the that sense of momentum that seemed to be that the current government compared to the the Fine Gael challenge, just just to watch that, to observe that, and then in a period kind of just under a decade later to watch the extraordinary ebb and flow uh, of what were to happen and and the surge for for the Fine Gael government coming in in 2011, just watching those changes, uh, those profound changes, uh, it's great to be able to report on it and to try and do that objectively and fairly and to challenge politicians along the way as well uh, is a privilege to be able to, to do that, but always to to seek to do it accurately and to seek to challenge as well.
0: Finally Mihal, um I, do you where, where do you see yourself in the future? I mean are you happy in the, the position that you are at the moment or do you do you see yourself moving up the ladder so to speak and what is the the future of journalism in your opinion?
1: I'm happy doing what I do. I think I think it's as I said it's a privilege really to be able to do it to to report on Leinster House to be able to report yes. on government and opposition and Really trying to make sure that everything that is said is accurate, uh, and that everything that is presented is thoroughly kind of analysed uh, and questioned properly. That is a, a great thing to be able to do. Uh, the future of journalism, I think, moves quicker. Uh, reporting mm. moves at a pace. That yeah, it is, isn't it? yeah. Back, it's going faster. Course, yeah, from, from way back, whether it's uh, back to the sixties into the eighties, but now it is moving. Uh, at quite a pace and then there are other forms of media that really make a great impact and certainly have a strong sway with certain audiences whether that's tiktok or instagram or other forms of social media but it's all just about telling the story and telling the story accurately so i don't really have any i think it's all good anything that tells the story provided that the the tenets of journalism are there, that things are objective, things are fair, and that there are things are challenged as well and thoroughly investigated. Once all that is there, I think whatever the forum, uh, journalism of course has a place, because there is really, as I see it, and I've always seen it, but that's just my view, there is no more important job uh, than trying to present things as accurately as possible, uh, especially when it comes to uh, what the government, the people have elected, the government that the people have put their faith in uh, to make sure that what they are saying uh, is accurate.
0: Well, on that positive note, uh, Michal, we'd have to leave it there. Uh, I want to thank you very much for joining us on Saturday Chronicle on Scarf Bay Community Radio this morning. It was a a privilege talking to you, and uh, you never know we might talk to each other again in the not-so-distant future.
1: Absolutely. Great talking to you all. Thank you very much. Thank
0: for the you. Chance. Thank you, Michal. That was Mihal Dehen, RTE News political correspondent. They are joining us on Saturday Chronicle this morning.